Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. The Bible is very practical. Because he says you have a gift here and it's worth nothing because your mind isn't on it. Your heart isn't on it. You're against somebody. Now, it goes even further. Let's say you have somebody at work that you blew up on on Friday, and now it's Sunday. Well, does that mean you try to find them and you don't go to church? I don't believe that. I believe you ask God to forgive you. But I believe you have to say to God when you come, now, God, next week or the first chance I get, I'm making that right with that person. Because my worship is no good if there's sin in my heart. Imagine you went with your family to Disney World. When you got there, there were no people operating the rides or monitoring the lines. When you went to eat, all the customers had to go behind the counter to find their food. It would be total chaos. A place like that needs to be staffed and orderly so that it can run smoothly. And so does the church. From administration to opening doors, there is no shortage of tasks to be done. The Lord will lead you to what you can do to further His plan. As we'll see today, if everyone does their job with excellency then worship and teaching can take place without interruption or interference. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 1, with today's study. And so the Levites carried out their responsibilities for the tent of the meeting, for the holy place, and under their brothers the descendants of Aaron's for the service of the temple of the Lord. So they had to all of these organizational things that God had instructed them. Aaron's the first high priest. He had all of these things. And priests and Levites were all part of that tribe of Levi. But the priests had to be descendants only of Aaron. So these were all set apart. They had their own responsibilities to do. And you see all of the tasks that were there. Everybody was responsible for their area. That's how a church functions. That's how our homes function. That's how your places of work function. That people have varied gifts, different gifts. Everybody's there to make things working together. The thing different between a church and an office or a home is the person that gets the glory is always God. So remember that. The reason we do these things here. It's not to bring ever glory to a man. And man, if you watch some of this Christian TV, that's where the glory is coming to, is man. Don't go there. The glory goes to God. First Chronicles chapter 24. To implement the plan, David enlisted Zadok and Ahimelech. They were the chief priests, and they were going to divide the priests, help him divide the first the priests, And then the Levites, member into those 24 divisions of priests, and the 24 divisions of Levites. Now, as you do this, what happened was, notice down in verse 2, Aaron has some wonderful sons. Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Look at verse 2, but Nadab... And Abihu died before their father did, and they had no sons. 
So Eliezer and Ithiar served as the priests. Well, how did they die? Let's remind ourselves. Take your finger and flip over to Leviticus chapter 10 just for a moment. Aaron's sons were involved in ministering. And two of his sons died. They were all four ordained as priests. But in Leviticus chapter 10, we have a little review of what took place. Aaron's sons, it says in verse 1, Nadab and Abihu took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. The King James says offered profane fire. New King James. The King James says offered strange fire. All four of his sons were ordained. They all had a right to offer incense, which only the priest could do. But look at what happened. It says in verse 2, So fire came out from the presence of the Lord, God had his own fire, and he consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Why? We don't know specifically what the strange fire is, but many people believe there's a number of things involved. Their sin may have been because they used glowing coals that were not taken from the brazen altar. And they mixed man's things with God's things. Later on in this passage, there's some inference that maybe they were drunk when they did this. You see, what God was trying to say here tonight is this. When we worship, worshiping shouldn't be carnal. You can't worship your own way. It's got to be God's way. So there needs to be order. There needs to be making sure that we're honoring God from our heart, not just from our lips. And so even though we look at this and we say, that's a strange thing that God did, it is. It's a very difficult thing. I really can't explain all of it, except for this. As leaders, they were responsible to show the people how to worship. And they blew it. They absolutely blew the leadership position. And because of that, God set a standard And he said, I won't have that kind of worship happening. Now, second thing that has to happen. You say, well, did that ever happen in the New Testament? Yes, it did. In Acts chapter 5, with Ananias and Sapphira. Same thing. Exactly the same thing happened. That God set a precedent right at the beginning. So I think it's encouraging to us to remember that we need to serve God, not in our own carnal way, because that's not really true service. Now, back to 1 Chronicles 24. Look down at verse 10. As he goes through this list, we come across some interesting names. And I want you to see this because this has great relevance to us. And it won't take us long, but I want to remind you something. Look down in verse 10. The eighth was Abijah. Abijah. In the New Testament, we have a relative of this line of Abijah. Let's turn there for a moment. Luke chapter 1. I want you to see it. Zechariah, father of John the Baptist, was from the division of Abijah. Thousand years before, we see that Zechariah would be the father. And so, remember what we were seeing here, that these priests and Levites were responsible for doing what? Worship, spending their two-week rotation, leading worship, in the temple. Well, we moved ahead, as you move to this verse, we moved ahead 
a thousand years, we're still in the same line of Abijah. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Let's just remind ourselves a little bit of the story. Zechariah was there. He was in the temple. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now, what happened is Elizabeth, his wife, and Zechariah, they were childless. And they'd been praying forever to have a child. And so this angel appears and he says to Zechariah, you're going to have a son. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or a fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his birth. And many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient, to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can it be sure of this? I am an old man. And my, he's gentle here. And my wife is well along in years. Notice he didn't say, I live with an old woman. He just said, my wife is well along in years. And the angel said, how can it happen? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now, Zechariah, when he said, how can I be sure of this? What he's really saying is, you got to be kidding me. This is not going to happen. You got the wrong Zechariah. In verse 20, the angel says this, And now, Zechariah, you'll be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the temple and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple doing his temple duties. When he came out, he could not speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Now, that'd be difficult, wouldn't you? He never learned sign language. I don't know what kind of signs he made to them. Angel, big angel, big angel, whatever, you know. Who knows how he made it, but he got the word out. Now, notice verse 23. An obscure verse, you say, has nothing to do with anything we're talking about tonight. Oh, it has volumes to do. Look at verse 23. When his time of service was completed, what did he do? He returned where? Well, why would he return home? What did we just talked about? Thousand years before, when David's getting ready to set up the first temple, he divided the groups of the priests and Levites in 24s each. So, how many times a year would they go and do their service? For how long? Two years. And when they traveled from wherever their home was and they did their service, they would do then what? They would go back home. So let's say you lived in the north of Israel. You'd come down for two weeks. You'd do your service. When your service was done, you would go back where? Back to the north of Israel. You'd go back home. You see, an obscure verse like this reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is from God. It fits together like this. See, if you just understand how great God is, he put that little verse in there. Every verse has meaning. And he put that in there because God's a God of organization. David said a thousand years before, I'm going to set this rotation up for the temple. Here we move a thousand years. The rotation's still happening. So we see in the book of John, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back. 
And when I come back, I'm going to take you to be with me, and you're going to be there forever. Does that have any relevance to anybody? It should, to every Christian. So be encouraged, even though, you know, realistically, this is sometimes a tough book to study, isn't it? But there's some real nuggets. And you can trust God's word. God's a know-it-all. Remember that? He's a know-it-all. He knows it all. So this gives me to myself again. It just encourages me. Now, back to 1 Chronicles chapter 25. In verse 1, we see that he sets some of the sons up together, and they have uh, harps and lyres and cymbals. And uh, look down in verse 5. All these sons of, of Heman, the king's seer, they were given him through the promises of God to exalt him. And God gave Heman 14 sons, three daughters. Ladies, how'd you like to go to Walmart shopping for that? 17. You'd have to own Walmart stock. And all these men were under the supervision of their fathers for the music of the temple of the Lord with cymbals and lyres and harps for the ministry at the house of God. All of those are under the supervision of their fathers. And notice at the end of that verse, they were also under the supervision of the king. Do you know tonight who the number one worshiper in a church should be? Should be the pastor. Whether he can carry a note or not. Because I should be the one who leads in the example of worship. Now often that's why I stay up here. Not only to make sure things are done decently in order throughout the service, but to worship, to show you that I love to worship. I have to be that leader. So notice all this goes back to the king. And worship is very important. And you guys do good and we have great worship bands because they take excellence with it. Now, along with their relatives, all of them trained and skilled in music for the Lord, they numbered 288. Now that's quite an organization of musicians, 288. Young and old alike, teacher as well as student, cast lots for their duties. So there's that excellence again. Now in the Jewish Talmud, it tells us something very interesting. We're told that if you wanted to be in the temple choir, you had to have five years of training. You just didn't walk in church and say, I'd like to be in the choir. It took five years. Verse chapter 26. The division of the gatekeepers. Now, why were there gatekeepers? It isn't like this morning that says this, trust God but lock your car. It says this, there were gatekeepers because there were some religious things that were done at the gates of the temple. Now, what happened is, and I'll just give you this first because of time. In Second Chronicles, when we get there, it says this, they stationed doorkeepers at the gates of the Lord's temple so that no one who was in any way unclean might enter. So they had to make sure that anybody that came to worship at the temple wasn't unceremonially unclean. They had to be ready and able to go in and worship. I thought of that. Can you imagine having an elder at each door? And before you could come in, they'd say to you, okay, what sins did you do this week? Are you ready? Are you confessed up? Are you ready to come? Come on in. If not, step back for a moment. Amazing. But that's what took place here. Now you say, that is strange. But you know, there's two places in the New Testament that's very similar. Keep your finger there. Turn back to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. Communion is one of those. Remember in communion, we have to examine our heart before we take communion. So our conscience is our gatekeeper. It says you need to be holy. 
You need to be prayed up. You need to have your sins forgiven before you can take communion. Well, there's another one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Very interesting verse. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. So what does that mean? It simply means this. In the Old Testament, they had gatekeepers to make sure that the person was right before God before they could come into the temple. They couldn't be ceremonially unclean. And of course, we don't have time to go back to Leviticus to show you all those external things. But in the New Testament, it doesn't really, it's not external. It moves to the heart. It moves to what we're at. So let me give you an example. You're on your way to work, to church, and you're fighting with somebody in the car. I know this never happens to anybody here, but I just use it as an example. And you lose it, and you walk into church, and you're angry at your kid, at your husband, at your wife, at a neighbor. Okay? Well, the first thing we do in church is what? We worship. So what does this verse say? And worship is what? It's a, listen, it, it's a gift from me to God. So I'm here. The band's there, and we're here. How much worship are you doing? I see it on your faces sometimes when I look out. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. <laughs> what you're thinking about is how I'm going to get even. That's what's happening. So what does God's word say? He said, you shouldn't offer your gift. You should lay it down, and you should go and what? Get reconciled with that person. You might have to do this. Honey, I'm sorry. We'll talk more later, but I'm sorry. The Bible is very practical. Because he says you have a gift here, and it's worth nothing. Because your mind isn't on it. Your heart isn't on it. You're against somebody. Now, it goes even further. Let's say you have somebody at work that you blew up on on Friday, and now it's Sunday. Well, does it mean you try to find them and you don't go to church? I don't believe that. I believe you ask God to forgive you. But I believe you have to say to God when you come, now, God, next week or the first chance I get, I'm making that right with that person. Because my worship is no good if there's sin in my heart. Who is our gatekeeper? Who is it? It's our conscience. It's our conscience. Do you think that Satan has anything to do with us coming to worship upset? Well, sure, it's spiritual warfare. I mean, the rest of the week we're doing fine. It's coming to church, we lose it. How can that be? How can we lose it in the parking lot because somebody else got our place? Thank God there is no your place out there. Isn't it amazing? There are still churches today. You sit in their seat, they're lost for the service. So God is gracious. And I want to challenge you when you do come to worship, don't let things distract you. Make sure that when you come to worship, that you're worshiping with a clean heart. It's very important. Obviously, the rest of the week stands the same. Look at verse 20, back in uh, First Chronicles. Had you back and forth tonight, didn't I? When you read those four chapters, you know why I had you back and forth. There's chapters of names and names and names and names that I'm not going to read. Verse 20, there was another responsibility, and this is one we end with. Their fellow Levites were in charge of the treasuries of the house of God and the treasuries for the dedicated things. So the Levites also were the treasures. In other words, God owned everything, 
So they made sure things were done correctly. Most of us forget how important finance and possessions are in our lives. The number one problem in marriage counseling is finance. It's not necessarily that you don't make enough. It's how it's spent. But the majority of it's because of debt. See, God's interested in finance. So he takes a division of these men and he says, you will be the treasures. You will watch over my money. You will make sure the money's spent properly. Well, in this church, we have a great finance department. We have great people in the office. We want to do things right for the government. We want to do things right because we're to serve the government. You say, well, I don't agree with it. doesn't matter. We live in this country. Romans chapter 14 says what? We're to serve those people and we're to obey those government officials. Now, what I'm saying is this. Make sure in your own heart, your own marriages, your own lives, that you know how to handle money. It's very important. And make sure you're never stingy with God. You know we don't talk about giving. I want to make sure you're not stingy with God. Don't ever be stingy with God. God will bless you over and over and over and over again. Young person, learn how to handle money. Parents, teach them. If you've blown it, get out of debt. See, this church operates with very stringent principles. I have nothing to do with the money. You know that. The pastors here have nothing to do with it. We don't have our hands on it. Now, we direct it, but I don't ever, I don't have a combination to say none of that. Why? So that I'm always squeaky clean. We have people here that watch it. It's very important that the house of God is operated on a fiscal balanced way, very, very strict. We're now going over the budget for next year. You say, well, why does a church need to have a budget? Well, a church that this size without a budget would be foolish. So we have a budget. And we operate by a budget. We have to be like a business in those sense. And notice, this is a business practice back then. And it should be the same in your home as it here in the church. So here's some things to remember tonight. God's organized. He makes things flow properly. The whole reason for things to flow properly is so worship can happen. And that's why it's the same for us. The reason we have all of these things in organization and do things with excellence, is so when we come on a Sunday, or a Saturday night, or a Wednesday night, or one of the other nights of the week where we all of these small groups, the lights are on, the place is clean, the nursery's clean, the yard's been mowed, the things have been swept, it's safe, the air conditioning works. Why? So that worship and ministry can take place. God's an organized God, and he wants to make sure you're organized in those sense of words. So be encouraged that God's in control. Everything that we talked about was ordered by God, and he had it all the way it should be. And by the way, he's gifted in this body, everybody here that will keep our body balanced. We have administrators, we have singers, we have servers, we have those people that are exhorters. We have all the gifts. God places it here, so we'll be able to do ministry right. And because of your service, because of your excellence, we're doing service right. As we heard today in our study in 1 Chronicles 25 and 26, there is a reason for the way the church is organized. When everyone is doing their part and all of the physical needs are being met, the emotional ones can be tended to. Worship and teaching can take place. 
God ordained us to do specific things for His kingdom during our time here on earth. So we should be obedient and give glory to Him in it. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we come to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. David passes along the instructions for building a temple to Solomon. David will also exhort his son to seek God and to serve him with a loyal heart. David will take what he has learned from years of having a relationship with the Lord and impart that wisdom to Solomon. It will be easy to see how his advice is relevant to us all. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 1 Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 